interesting news that I saw here. Welcome to the BCP podcast. I hope that you're having a great start or middle of your weekend, depending when you're watching this. But we've got the CCP putting some interesting pressure on one of the cities they absolutely control, and that's San Francisco. If you weren't aware of the CCP control and infiltration into California Democrats, especially from the Bay Area, a reminder, Dianne Feinstein, Di-Fi Chai Spy, Nancy Pelosi, Eric Swalwell, all from Northern California, all have ties to China. Yesterday, the City Journal reported that surrogates for the CCP are pressuring the city of San Francisco to remove the Tiananmen Square Memorial in Portsmouth uh, Square Park. Now, it's, it's due to undergo innovations in the near future, but they're putting pressure on its removal. That's interesting, folks, because if you may be watching this week, this weekend, today is uh, June 2nd when I'm recording this, but on Sunday is the 4th of June. And of course, that is marks the uh, Tiananmen Square uh, massacre. It actually started in April of 89, but the uh, the big events of the day was the uh, June 4th clearing. And the CCP now wants to clear the Tiananmen Square Massacre Memorial from San Francisco. And because those are commie bastards over there, they're probably going to bend the knee to the CCP. Welcome to BCP Unfiltered. This is the BCP Podcast. Big hug to all of y'all. Appreciate your support. Now, you know, there's not a lot of... We have Tank Man, one of the most incredible images of Tiananmen Square, a lone man taking on rolling tanks. But we don't have a lot of footage from that day, even though there was lots of foreign press there. Why? Because the Chinese Communist Party in advance of their military coming into Tiananmen Square, had forbade foreign press from having coverage, also known as censorship. And because they complied, they just, we don't have as much footage, as much knowledge, visual knowledge of what happened that day. I think that... I, I think, the, the the official number the CCP has given, I know my memory is good on this one, is like less than 300. I want to say it's about 250. Something like that is the official number of those massacred. But no one knows the real number. I, I've seen numbers as high as 10,000. I don't know if it's that high, but numbers of 800 to 1,000, etc. But see, this is how tyrants, Marxists work. They want to hide information from you. Now, thanks to Brian Lupo, also known as CanCon on Rumble. I know some of you may follow. I think he probably does the best coverage on Rumble of the actual. He's a reporter for the Gateway Pundit, but he goes under CanCon 
on online. He tweeted out something that I'm glad he did because I wasn't aware of it. He said, YouTube back in play. And he tweeted out today, Friday, June 2nd, that YouTube has reversed their course on election misinformation on the platform. So since December 2020, YouTube has been thoroughly censoring what they consider to be election misinformation. In other words, talking about the stolen election of 2020. It's because of that move by YouTube that this show, BCP Unfiltered, on the BCP Podcast Network even exists. A lot of people got scrubbed and completely eliminated from YouTube because they were talking about the stolen election of 2020. I knew that was happening. I still wanted to talk about it. So we started this show so we could talk about that here, and but not talk about it on YouTube. But we know that tyrants and Marxists and Democrats and socialists, they're liars. They don't play by the rules. I follow all of the rules at YouTube, yet they still found a reason to kick me off. It was bogus. They just said I, they just lied and said that I committed violations against the rules that they hadn't, that I hadn't done. Isn't that funny that now, oh, you can talk about election misinformation. Let me hear, let me, let me, let me read you part of what their reasoning is. And, and you're going to see here that they admit to something <laughs> very, very egregious. We first instituted a provision of our elections misinformation policy focused on the integrity of past U.S. presidential elections in December of 2020 once the state's safe harbor date for certification had passed. Two years Tens of thousands of video removals and one election cycle later, we recognized it was time to reevaluate the effects of this policy in today's changed landscape. In the current environment, we find that while removing this content does curb some misinformation, it could also have the unintended effect of curtailing political speech. No, that is the exact reason. That was the exact intended effect, YouTube of removing content because you did you wanted to curtail political speech. Now the whole thing they say here is the unintended effect of curtailing political speech without meaningfully reducing the risk of violence or other real world harm. And that is why I'm currently off of YouTube because they say that the only thing I could guess is where, where I keep saying that January 6th was a protest, not an insurrection. And they said that's inciting violence because of course... If you talk about the stolen elections, you know, you're inciting violence. Now, of course, there are a whole bunch of other people on there, liberals, even other conservatives on YouTube talking about this or middle of the road folks. But YouTube, they are a leftist, Marxist, and therefore truly racist institution. Me, a black man was kicked off for inciting violence and cyberbullying while white people are allowed to report on the same exact things that supposedly I did but was against their rules. Now, I know some of you folks don't like me talking about the whole YouTube thing. I've seen some comments, get over what have you. But just so you're aware of this, there are a lot of people that are just now figuring out that my YouTube suspension wasn't temporary that it's permanent, and they're now finding their way to this program, and they don't know what happened. So once a week for the next several weeks at least, I will at least mention briefly 
that YouTube under bogus and fake false allegations kicked me off of their platform because I essentially was calling January 6th what it is, a protest and not an insurrection. And therefore somehow pointing that out and that Ray Epps is alleged and believed by some people to possibly be a Fed, that that's the kind of language that I used on YouTube, that that was inciting violence against a person and misinformation. And so that's the pretext from which they booted me from the uh, from the platform. Screw them. I like to be able to talk pretty openly like I can on this show. So there you have it. They are admitting that their misinformation censorship curtailed political speech. We will stop removing content that advances false claims that widespread fraud, errors, or glitches occurred in the 2020 and other past U.S. presidential elections. Of course, after they've kicked off everybody who was reporting on that. Now you can report on it. Isn't that interesting? So, in celebration of Tiananmen Square, YouTube overturns what they did before, which is exactly what happened in Tiananmen Square, and that was censorship and hiding the truth from the masses. All right, folks, there's more deep state election interference. By the way, if I haven't told you yet how much we love and appreciate you here as a BCP family, your support, your kind words, and your being part of this patriot movement with us, how much we love and appreciate you, please receive that now. Okay, so let's talk about election interference coming from the DOJ. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice, a Republican, announced his run for U.S. Senator. That happened five, six weeks ago in late April. He formally announced his campaign at the Greenbrier and Sulphur Springs in April, according to Politico. Justice was heavily recruited by the National Republican Senatorial Committee and has been in contact with Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, according to Politico's report. In other words, they want him to run. And uh, McConnell has strongly made it clear that he uh, intends to endorse the governor. Now, Governor Justice will face off against Representative Alex Mooney in the Republican primary. Rand Paul, Ted Cruz have already endorsed the state representative. Why is that? Well, maybe because Alex Mooney is a member of the House Freedom Caucus and is largely considered to be more uh, right than justice. By the way, the governor was elected as a Democrat before he switched parties. Kind of an important thing there. Like I've been saying... They're not always Democrats in drag. Sometimes they're actual Democrats running as Republicans. By the way, Justice was up 22 points on Democrat Joe Manchin, who allowed the state to lose thousands of energy jobs during his tenure. Well, guess what the Biden DOJ 
just did an election interference. No, they didn't do a new lawsuit against President Trump. That's forthcoming, I'm sure. What they did do is they filed criminal charges against Governor Jim Justice's son. They're using lawfare to get him out of the race, just like they're doing that to Trump. So, great article here from the Western Journal. Biden DOJ announces lawsuit against Republican governor's son. The Department of Justice announced that it filed a lawsuit against Republican West Virginia governor and Senate candidate Jim Justice's son, along with 13 coal companies he owns or operates, for unpaid civil penalties. For the past five years, James C. Justice's thirds coal companies have violated their legal obligations under the Surface Mining Control and Reclamation Act of 77. That's what the lawsuit reads. The Department of Interior Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement cited justice on 130 violations between 2018 and 2022 and issued 50 cessation orders to the companies. Quote, through this suit, the justice seeks to deliver accountability for defendants' repeated violations of the law and to recover the penalties they owe as a result of those violations. Oh, I guess this uh, targeting of a GOP Senate candidate's family years after this violation, we're supposed to just believe that it's a dink that it's not election interference. Supposedly, it's $7.6 million in total that the defendants supposedly owe. The lawsuit seeks to recover unpaid corporate civil penalties and individual civil penalties, along with the reclamation fee and audit debts. Isn't that interesting? If they can't win, folks, we are a banana republic. We are a banana republic. The DOJ and every single institution going after political opponents of the regime. Okay, let me ask you a question, folks. Did you think that we were really in danger of defaulting on the X date that Janet Yellen had moved from June 1st, which wasn't politically good for Biden? So somehow the federal government, oh, oopsie doopsie, we actually have enough money to ju- until June 5th, which of course gave air and cover for Joe Biden and McCarthy to hit a deal so that Biden doesn't lose face. Did you really think that we, could, we were going to default on June 5th? Because before they even passed the thing on Wednesday at, in the House and before it the, the, the Senate passed the supposed debt ceiling deal, the Biden regime had already announced the release of a new $300 million defense aid package for Ukraine. Do you think that had June 5th come and they hadn't hit a deal? on the debt ceiling, that they were going to just stop illegal aliens from coming in and housing them because there was no money? That they were going to stop giving money to Ukraine because there was no money? Of course not. It's all fear-mongering and malarkey. And now we have, as of this week, the Biden regime releasing even more money to Ukraine because, of course, we must be loyal to Ukraine. Here is uh, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby during the press conference 
about 48 hours ago. Now, in response, the United States is going to continue to support Ukraine, help give them things that they need uh, to better defend themselves. Uh, as part of all that effort, uh, we've got an upcoming package here, which will be the 39th drawdown uh, of equipment from uh, the Department of Defense inventories using presidential drawdown authorities. Uh, we will use that package that we're announcing today to provide Ukraine with additional munitions for Patriot air defense systems, uh, which Ukraine has been deploying quite effectively, uh, as well as more Avenger air defense systems, Stinger anti-aircraft systems, and ammunition, of course, for the HIMARS artillery and anti-armor systems that the United States uh, continues to provide to Ukraine. Now, one interesting criticism I've gotten is that you are lying, BCP, James, come on, be honest. We're giving them military things. We're drawing them from our, as John Kirby says there, we're, we're, we're not always giving them cash. A lot of times we're just giving them, yeah, folks, who paid for the, those, you think those missiles and tanks and planes and armaments and munitions just came out of nowhere? No, we paid for them. And guess what? They need to be replenished. They need to be paid for again. This is just the mis uh, military industrial complex making sure that they have a constant supply of customers. And since President Trump made sure we're no in new conflicts, then let's just have a proxy war somewhere else, give them our old stuff so the government is forced to buy new stuff. It's all a racket, folks. All a racket. Did you really think that I would have liked to see a alternate reality, a, a different multiverse of what it would look like on Tuesday in this alternate universe had McCarthy not folded like a wet napkin? Fold like a wet napkin. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Must be Friday. But you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking You know what I'm trying to say. Had McCarthy not folded, didn't even fold, folks. It, it just it, it was all a show. It was all a show. There was no real opposition there. But let's say there had been some opposition there, and there wasn't a debt ceiling bill uh, passed, and it's not passed yet, but it's going to be passed, right? What what would have happened? Would they have stopped supplying Ukraine? No, of course. I mean, this is a sign of two things, right? On Wednesday, they knew that they were gonna. This whole thing was a a dog and pony show. They knew that this debt ceiling thing was a done deal, and even if it wasn't, they were gonna go through this anyway because you know, got there's always money for war and for what they want. According to the Department of Defense, since the start of the Biden regime, the United States has committed over thirty eight point three billion. $37.6 billion has been allocated since the beginning of the Russian invasion. $38.3 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. That we know about. There are a lot of people making a lot of generational money there, folks. This is the biggest open in front of our face money laundering operation that we've ever seen. Every every single week, they don't miss. A, it seems to me like they don't miss a, a beat. It seems like every week, every ten days, at least two or three times a month, there's a new aid package going to Ukraine. Lindsey Graham is salivating, and he's getting all hot and bothered about by this. Boy, does he love war. 
Okay, folks, just in case you thought that our government was squeaky clean and nothing to worry about, that DC courts and the justice system, like Matt Gates, ridiculously sad. I like Matt Gates a lot, and I really am. I mean, I put no trust in man, nor the arm of flesh, because the only infallible one, perfect one, is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful to our Father who sent his only begotten son to give us as a perfect uh, as a, a, a an example as him being perfect of something we could strive for give us an example he was perfect everyone else is not perfect so I give people a pass but it was a disgusting thing when Matt Gates said that the Stuart Rhodes ridiculously high sentencing that he had no problem with it and that they were just being stupid. Now, I don't like that Matt Gates said that. He also said that, that they had their constitutional uh, legal rights upheld. Not in the D.C. system, not in the D.C. judicial system, and guess what, folks? You don't have to be a right-wing American to know that. Gal Luft, the missing whistleblower in the Biden crime family corruption investigation, is speaking out after he was supposedly he had supposedly vanished from Cyprus in April under mysterious circumstances. Turns out he's now living as a fugitive in an undisclosed foreign location. Now, if you recall, Luft was an advisor to CEFC China Energy a business conglomerate with extremely close ties to the CCP who served alongside Hunter Biden. This company, CEFC, paid Hunter Biden approximately $5 million in 2017, just that year alone, to secure energy deals in the U.S. Bravo and hat tip to Washington Free Beacon for a lot of this reporting. Now, back in February, as we reported at the time, Luth was arrested and he immediately said that there were bogus weapons trafficking charges and that these bogus charges were an order from the Biden regime. So he became whistleblower. He tweeted out back in February, I've been arrested in Cyprus on a politically motivated extradition request by the U.S. The U.S. claiming I'm an arms dealer. It would be funny if it weren't tragic. I've never been an arms dealer. DOJ is trying to bury me to protect Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. Shall I name names? Let's just take him at face value that Gal Luft is the real deal. He's a real whistleblower and he's got real information on the Bidens. The Bidens are innocent. Why not let him present that and prove to the world that the these people are crackpots, right? All these people that are that have evidence on the on Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family—they're all crackpots. Peter Schweitzer, uh, Bob uh, Bobolinsky, Gal Luft, right? These are all just nuts, guys. It's because there would be no fair trial. Luft explained to the New York Post, Miranda Levine, he fled Cyprus because he wanted to escape political prosecution and knew he would not get a fair trial in Washington D.C. This is what he told her. 
The chances of me getting a fair trial in D.C. are zero. I was charged for a thought crime. I was asked by bona fide arms dealer and Israeli friend to inquire with the company and you if they had an item and what would be the price of an item. This is where the conspiracy ended. No follow-up, no money, no breaking, no brokering activity. So, he's in an undisclosed country. Now, he's supposed to be in Cyprus under watch. He didn't explain how he got out of Cyprus because he doesn't want a retaliation against the people perhaps who held him or who helped him or were supposed to have held him. But a foreign national says, there's no way in hell I'm going to get a free, uh, a fair a fair trial in the D.C. system. So I'm just going to jump countries and be out of the grasp as much as I can of the United States deep state system. Hmm. So now the man is hiding out as a fugitive. It's a very dangerous thing when you take on the Biden regime and face that tyranny head on. All right, how about this for some ridiculous news? The World World Health Organization has elected a new member to its executive board. And who do they 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 put on their new board? They elected Dr. John Zhang Min Pak, Director of the Department of External Affairs, Ministry of Public Health in Pyongyang. In other words, a member of the regime of North Korea has been elected as one of the executive boards. Can't make this shiz knit up. And of course, fellow Marxists are supporting him. Critics argue that this move undermines the credibility and effectiveness of the World Health Organization, which is already facing scrutiny for its handling of global health crisis. Also for shilling for China. Enough said. Who takes the who seriously except members of the World Health Organization and others whose job it is to lie and deceive? All right, Donald Trump was in Iowa. He said there's no way he loses Iowa. And he didn't shy away from taking on Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, and he was well received by the way. What, what President Trump is doing a little bit different strategy. Instead of having these big MAGA, mega MAGA rally events, especially in these early voting states, he's going in and having small private functions. And give me your opinion. Do you think this is a smart move instead of having these big mega MAGA rallies meeting in more intimate settings? I mean, the first thing that came to my mind, and I've been worried about this, and I voiced that on this, uh, on this program over the last years, is I'm worried about President Trump's safety. They are trying to thwart him and stop him by any means necessary. The law or misapplication of the law, injustice from the Department of Injustice, we see what's happening in New York. Uh, looks like over in Georgia, they're trying to put together a multi-state conspiracy charge against President Trump. But just in case all those things fail, 
They want to keep him tied up in court. And if that doesn't work, of course they would try to assassinate him. So for that point, for that reason, I'm very happy that President Trump is doing smaller events. Any other reason for it? Safety and crowd control, because he can fill up arenas. Maybe it's more advantageous at this point during the primary season not to do that. But it's, in, it's a very interesting tactic nonetheless. Now, of course, President Trump over the last several days has gone after DeSantis. He has not shied away from that. And DeSantis is responding. And this response I'm about to share with you actually got uh, laughs from the Iowa crowd. Florida Governor, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis drew laughs from an audience in Iowa after hitting back against a criticism from former President Donald Trump on his record as Florida governor. He used to say how great Florida is. Hell, his whole family moved to Florida under my governorship. Are you kidding me? He's got a point there, folks. We're on the Trump train. But we know that DeSantis has been an excellent, one hell of a governor for the state of Florida. But here's what's interesting. The Florida Republicans' comments drew a laugh from the crowd. Look, I'm going to respond to attacks, DeSantis added. I'm only giving you DeSantis coverage when it has to do with President Trump. And this is DeSantis responding to President Trump's attacks. Are you kidding me? Now, they're both in Iowa campaigning because this is one of the early primary states. The Florida's comments drew a laugh from the crowd. Look, I'm going to respond to attacks, DeSantis added. I mean, if you say Cuomo did a better job with COVID than Florida did, first of all, that's not what he used to say. Six months ago, he would have said, he would have never said that, right? So what's changed according to DeSantis in the last several weeks and months? Well, according to DeSantis, it's his running against President Trump for the Republican primary. But check this out. Even Fox News, who loves DeSantis and hates Trump, admitted with a um, Trump, who who recent Fox News polling show, shows holds a substantial lead on DeSantis among GOP primary voters, has criticized DeSantis for weeks over his record in Florida. And DeSantis says that he will fight back, that he, he will respond and not just cower in the corner. I can respect that. If he's afraid of Trump, we're Trump trained, of course, but if he were afraid of Trump, why would anyone want him to be a world leader if he's afraid of Trump? Very strange to me, this whole thing. So you got uh, commies elected to the executive board of the World Health Organization. You have an international whistleblower who is in hiding because he doesn't trust the D.C. courts. You have the Biden regime giving $300 million, uh, another $300 million package for Ukraine. 
You've got China telling Americans to take down a Tiananmen Square memorial in the middle of, that is, in an American city. You've got the DOJ bringing up a lawsuit against a candidate that opposes the party of the ruling party, the Democrats. And that's just a few bits of news of many more with similar things that I could have reported on for you to go into the weekend. Now tell me, folks, with all this corruption right in front of our face and no one getting punished, do you think really, do you really think that they're not going to try to rig the election of 2024 and or assassinate President Trump? I'm, I'm saying this and I feel icky even saying it, folks, but it is one of my concerns. Desperate times call for desperate measures and these people are desperate. And they're bloodthirsty and they're Satanists and they love power and want to stay in it. How far are they willing to go? I shudder at the thought to try to answer that. But I'm interested in your thoughts. So please put it down below. Thanks for being here, brothers and sisters. Have a great weekend. We will be back. Please do not forget to check out our merch. That helps us out. And to put your comments down below. And also please follow the show on Twitter. The link will be in the description box below. Big hug. Ciao. Goodbye. God bless. Have a great weekend. Gotta give us what we want. Uh, gotta give us what we need.